Welcome to Fick Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodity strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence Fick Research Team. Welcome to FX Moment, which is part of our FIC Focus podcast series. My name is Audrey Charles Freeman. I am the Chief G10 FX Strategist for Bloomberg Intelligence. And today I am joined by Stephen Chu, who is our Chief Asia FX and Rate Strategist. So basically, as we approach the end of 2022, we are going to spend some time today presenting our outlook for the foreign exchange market for 2023. And in a sense, November, I think, gave us very much a taste of what may lie ahead for, for the currency market, and in particular for the US dollar, with the dollar, the weaker dollar profile that uh, followed uh, a near 30% increase in appreciation in the US DXY um, since mid-2021. Um, we 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 can feel now that um, the tide the tide is turning. Uh, so the one the way I want to approach this outlook and my thinking around this is trying to show how the the, the dollar drivers that have dominated in the past uh, in the past eighteen months or so, namely yields and risk appetite or lack of risk appetite, um, remain relevant. Uh, however, they are priced in, is what I'm arguing, uh, and are, and they are also evolving. Uh, it's not going to be a straight downside trade for the dollar. There's still a lot of uncertainty and cho potential choppiness, in particular in the first half uh, of next year. But I think that um, we are getting more comfortable with the idea that uh, we may have reached uh, a peak in the dollar for the current cycle. So let's start with our working assumptions for next year. And let's look at what we think uh, are, are the drivers and what will be the drivers for, for the currency market next year. Uh, and uh, well, the way I approach it is I look at both the macro side of, of the equation and the risk, uh, the risk element and the sentiment side of the equation. So on the macro side uh, of the equation, I would say that um, we have looming uh, in U.S. inflation and looming global inflation in general and looming rate peaks. I mean, it's still uncertain exactly where interest rates, in particular in the U.S., will, will peak. But it's an it's a increasingly common uh, view that we are closer to a peak in interest rate than we were six months ago uh, and that the high for long U.S. rate story is arguably priced in the dollar. And I think next year, what will happen is we'll have the relative yield differential and the relative rate differential story will become less supportive for the dollar as other central bank uh, are still a little bit behind in terms of catching up uh, on the tightening cycle. The other point I would make on the macro front, and I think, again, is quite relevant, is a shift from... Uh, inflation and yield focus in the currency market to growth consideration. And on that front, you know, that, from, that, that results purely from the fact that I think the market now kind of agrees that 
you know we have we are we have reached a high a peak in in the inflation cycle rate hikes may soon be a thing of the past so what's the next phase of the cycle is potential cutting interest rates and we i think the market agrees that this is not coming anytime soon it's not the same cycle as what we've had in the past but what will be central in defining how quick the next move in interest rate comes or how quick the rate cut come is growth. And I think on, on the growth story, um, the macro risk reward is actually a little bit more supportive for the euro. Um, it's just related to the view that you know there's been so much pessimism uh, priced into the euro on the macro front and and rightly so given you know the the currency the the energy environment um but i think the the the, sh- the risk reward on the macro outcome story could become more more supportive for europe and i would also say that uh, you know on that point uh europe um the the eurozone economy uh, has actually done better than what most people were expecting this year. So, so this is quite an important point. Equally, there's probably been, uh, arguably, been a little bit more too much optimism with regards to how resilient the U.S. economy will be. Um, and, and I think this is a quite significant element of uncertainty. You know, what kind of recession do we get uh, from the U.S. Uh, next year? Ir- ironically. A long and prolonged recession, uh, to the extent that it triggers a risk of moving asset class in other asset classes, could revive the dollar. Uh, but this is not the main working assumption. So moving away from the macro story, uh, the other big driver for the currency market next year will be risks. And here we look at the geopolitical situation. And what I'm saying at this stage is that. Uh, sadly, the war in Ukraine seemed to be a long-lasting one. This is not going away, uh, but it's, this is priced in, and it feels like the market has learned to live with that premium, um, and that the market kind of uh, agrees that the worst of the energy crisis is behind us. So that, in relative terms, is actually removing a euro-negative force that we've had, in particular uh you know over over the the second uh the second and third quarter the second the other point on risk is the china reopening story and and stephen will elaborate more on that uh, very shortly but the narrative is evolving from china and you know on paper it's very good news and we've seen it again with the price action uh in in november you know as we've said many times Europe is more exposed to China than the US. If China reopens, if China, and that means stronger growth, it's very good news for Europe uh, and the euro wins in that context. So on paper, this is all great. The problem, I suppose, is, is timing and you know how sustainable the reopening will be as the cases uh, uh, start to increase throughout the winter uh, and vaccination rates still have to catch up. Uh, so I think this this element on, on China reopening is going to be um, something that the market will kind of probably revisit on many occasions as to how much of a reopening, what does it mean for growth, what does it mean for inflation, we're not quite sure. And, that, and that's when I feel uh, you could see the markets uh, being more choppy uh, and 
maybe uh, even uh, you know early next year um, conditioning more, a little bit of a rebound in the dollar after the very strong November and potentially uh, solid uh, December that that we've seen. So that's you know that's the overall picture. That's the broad story for for the for the U.S. dollar. Uh, I I just I'm just going to spend now uh, a few minutes to give you some highlights on on the euro, on sterling, uh, and and on the yen. And then after that, uh, I'll pass it on to to Stephen, who's going to cover the outlook for the Asia currency block. So on the euro, we've we've had quite a remarkable recovery. A uh, very fast recovery from no, not 95 all the way back to 105, uh, and now we're consolidating. Um, and, and I think uh, you know I covered some of the more bullish uh, forces that we've had identified in in recent weeks. It's as much of a dollar more dollar negative story as it is uh, a little bit more reassurance from Europe. I mean, in particular, there was an element of luck in November with the milder weather that we had in Europe, implying that the energy situation so far this winter hasn't been um, as catastrophic as what we were fearing. I mean, unfortunately, the December um, for the weather forecast and the December uh, weather so could be a lot colder. And that, that means that this theme could come back as a, as a worrisome uh, element. But so far, it hasn't been as bad as what we were or the market was uh, and fearing. And as I said, uh, the, you know, this is priced in, partly priced in, uh, and the growth in Europe uh, overall, overall this year, I think has actually been more resilient than ex expected. We're also expecting the ECB to um, tighten monetary policy further so that the yield differential with the US is uh, staying stable, uh, and, and and that's you know in relative terms uh, probably uh, supportive for the euro. Uh, and if the risk context overall remains favorable, uh, I suspect you know we we will move towards one ten to one fifteen uh, in by by the second half of next year. But as I said, with the broad dollar view, the the biggest risk at the moment that I can see. Uh, is um, to this bullish outlook for the euro. The biggest risk is Q1. On sterling, uh, I mean, sterling also great recovery. We net, we actually, in the end, uh, we avoided the parity on, on cable, even though, you know, we're not far off. But what I'm saying is that a broadly weaker dollar and a risk on market context uh, is helping the sterling, the sterling bull, bullish view. But that has very little to do with any turnaround in the UK uh, domestic dri drivers that remain pretty poor, I'm afraid. Um, and cyclically, uh, cyc the cyclical picture in the UK, in, and uh, that will probably be a theme for at least the first half of the year, it's pretty dreadful. Uh, we have real income squeeze and tightening in monetary conditions. Also, we're starting to get more evidence of housing sector weakness. That's all likely to weigh on sentiment for uh, towards the pound. So, if if cable if if the dollar remains soft and weak, uh, I think cable and euro dollar push is higher. I think cable will follow to the upside, 
but I think sterling will underperform some other European currencies, uh, potentially the euro or again the Swiss franc. Uh, again, as I said, in particular early next year, if the UK uh, macro indicators start to deteriorate further, and also another point I would make is the social situation, uh, the strikes. I mean, from an international investment perspective, that's not going to help uh, the pound, I, I don't think. Finally, one, one very brief point on, on the yen. And so basically, beyond the Fed rate peak anticipation uh, and a broadly weaker dollar context, I think yen bulls may get support from any kind of hints that there could be a change in the Bank of Japan yield curve control. We're, so we're not saying that the Bank of Japan is going to hike interest rates or is going to is anywhere near there, but any, any change in, in the yield control uh, would help and would add to this uh, more bullish uh, sentiment that we've seen on the yen um, in recent in recent weeks. On top of that, I've been mentioning growth and the growth picture in Japan is remarkably um, uh, constructive if you compare it, for instance, uh, to the US or even to, to the Eurozone for, for next year. And, and, you know, this is a debate for another day, but you could argue, is it because the, the Bank of Japan hasn't hiked rates? Um, and that's, that's very relevant and very unusual as well. Uh, so I think those, those factors are, are too from a domestic perspective, very supportive uh, reason to, you know, hold on to the bullish view on the yen. So now dollar yen pullback, the pullback on dollar yen in November was seven and a half percent. But, you know, you may feel it's a lot and it is a lot over a short period of time, but it, it's still up, you know, that pair is still up about 35% from the low in 2021. And it's still up, 82% from its levels um, in the pre-abenomics years uh, when it was trading uh, below 80. So what I'm trying to say here is that there is significant room from, for more downside. The positioning case is still favorable if you bullish on the yen because the market had built such significant large underweight positions. Um, it takes time for all those positions to unwind before you even think about going long the yen. Um, and and there's other, there are other factors, and in particular, uh, valuation, uh, and our own model shows that the, the yen is highly undervalued. So the yen is also one of the key um, currency that I, I, I like uh, against the dollar uh, early next, well, in, in 2023. Uh, and, and in terms of level, the next key retracement level that we have, uh, if you take a kind of a historical chart on dollar-yen um, is uh, near 125. So this is, uh, this is the, broad, the broad story. I will leave it here for, for the G10. And I will pass it on to Stephen, who is going to cover the outlook for the Asia FX currency space. Stephen? Thank you, Audrey. So I'm going to start off with some key drivers and hence scenarios for the Asian currencies. And then um, towards the end, I will uh, talk about some trading strategies and currency pick. 
So um, first and foremost, there are three main key drivers for the Asian currencies in 2023. And some of them, Audrey has also mentioned already. The first one, obviously, uh, will be the Fed policy outlook, which matters for the broad dollar direction and hence dollar Asia. Right now, our market has priced in a terminal rate near 5% and even a quick reversal to rate cut before the end of 2023. So anything less hawkish than that um, would render further sell-off in dollar Asia. Uh, note that in this case where the Fed pivots, uh, this also offers a lot more policy flexibility uh, to the Asian central banks. So Asia can focus more on growth and pause rate hikes early on in 2023, or even revert to rate cuts. Uh, when Asian central banks start to cut rates, ironically, that tend to be positive for um, some, if not all of the Asian currencies in general, just because there could be more equity and bond inflows on the back of that. Of course, um, the risk right now, though, is market might have underestimated the Fed's determination to counter um, surface inflation in particular, given the still very tight labor market. And hence, um, looping these together, we think that early next early 2023, there could be some consolidation in dollar Asia before an unilateral dollar Asia drop. So the second driver um, is um, actually whether the action from the Fed and other central banks would push the US or even the world into a recession. Because if we don't have a soft landing, then the current risk on environment could be hard to sustain, at least for early 2023. And that may help the dollar uh, briefly over the Asian currencies until the Fed or other central banks start to refer to monetary easing. So that's why we were saying uh, we believe um, dollar consolidation could be a higher likelihood case early 2023. The third driver, Audrey has also mentioned a little bit, would be geopolitical uncertainties. And that include the Russia-Ukraine situation, China-US tension, of course, and also um, China's cross-strat uncertainties with Taiwan. It's really anyone's guess regarding how this would play out with uh, any escalation in any of this, if not all of this, would dent resentment and hence back dollar Asia, obviously. Our bet um, is probably for the Russia's situation to get better once winter is over uh, because uh, Russia may start to have less bargaining chips against Europe and the US um, once the weather um, gets warmer and it's more likely to retreat. Meanwhile, um, China might also soften its tone regarding um, against the US and also regarding Taiwan just because it may want to focus domestically on its reopening push and you want to make sure the economy can handle that well and also recover well. So taking all these three drivers together, um, we believe regardless of how the scenarios or paths play out, the end game will be the same for 2023, which is dollar Asia would end 2023 lower. Now, of course, um, we want to know about the paths as well, which is highly uncertain. So uh, we have three scenarios and three paths. Now, uh, the most likely one, as we mentioned a bit earlier, would be some consolidation at the beginning of 2023. And then we're going to see lower dollar Asia towards the end of the year. The second somewhat ideal, but probably less likely path would be for all developments domestically, globally, from Asia to the rest of the world, everything falls perfectly into place and favor risk sentiment. And hence, we're going to see a very strong unilateral drop in dollar Asia.
Now the last path, um, you you can perceive it as the worst case scenario, but I think that's still probable. Would be for Dollar Asia to actually blow up higher early twenty twenty three, just because the Fed could be like way more hawkish than what's pricing right now, and then we might get some blowout in the geopolitical situation, like a larger scale physical or a continental war. But in that scenario, if we indeed get a really, really strong dollar, then there could be a higher possibility of a coordinate intervention to weaken the dollar. Hence, in that um, worst case scenario, like we might actually see a sharp reversal in dollar Asia before the end of the year, and even lower than our other cases. So regardless, we think dollar Asia is going to end lower when it comes to the year end 2023. So uh, moving on to the uh, last part, which is probably most relevant and interesting, it's regarding trading strategy. Now, of course, we've mentioned that uh, we think the end game is going to be lower dollar Asia. Then it's very logical and straightforward. Basically, just pick any Asian currency you like against the dollar. But however, um, given the uncertainties of uh, the path, like we don't know which path, which scenario is going to play out. And if you bet on the wrong path, then you could be very wrong. So the optimal strategy as an investor, like you may want to construct an Asian currency basket against a dollar and you can pick the weights accordingly, um, depending on how, how probable you think each path might be. Now, for example, um, um, for our basic scenario, if you think that dollar Asia is more likely to consolidate first or even rise before dropping again, then you may want to um, assign larger weights to the um, intra-Asia safe haven currencies like the Hong Kong dollar, like the Sing dollar, which are less prone to dollar strength, then that could be the core of your portfolio. Then you can sort of decorate it around uh, with a bit of high yielders like the Indonesian rupee and the Indian rupee. And if you want to go more aggressive, you think dollar Asia is going to drop faster, early in the year, then you could add a little bit more high beta equity currencies like the Taiwan dollar and the South Korean one. Um, that could also be ideal. Now, note that uh, we intentionally leave out uh, some Asian currencies like Thai baht, like the Malaysian ringgit, Philippine peso, and even the Chinese yuan, just because we think that um, these currencies come with higher uncertainties and actually we may want to leave it out so the portfolio itself uh, may be more stable. Just to end um, and this part with a little bit more details regarding the Chinese Yuan, the CMY could be a wild card in 2023. Uh, it could potentially outperform all of its Asian peers if, if China's reopening push remains on track and um, doesn't disrupt its macro recovery. And nobody really knows that. Um, the thing is that note that some of the goodwill, if not most of it, has been priced in the currency already given what has happened over the last few weeks. And any disappointment in, in the macro data regarding reopening could hurt the yuan easily. And moreover, let's uh, face the fact that the structural driver of the yuan has always been current account and hence the trade surplus, which is why the yuan was so resilient despite the dollar strength last year. So the, the problem is that uh, China's trade surplus might have peaked um, especially after the November trade data earlier this day, um, we think that's happening. So um, entering 2023, China's trade surplus could narrow even further upon um, even weaker external demand, which is very likely. So that means less support for the Yuan. And uh, apart from trade and other structural development, it's a resumption of China tourism outflow could also hurt the Yuan, uh, which is basically a normalization to a pre-COVID situation. 
But regardless, um, dollar CNY should still be pulled away from the seven handle and drop towards the fair value of 6.35, according to our uh, beer model. Otherwise, that's it for Asia. I'll pass it back to you, Audrey. Thank you. Thank you very much, Stephen. So the bottom, the bottom line is basically that we feel that the conditions are in place for weaker dollar outlook in 2023. Uh, but we've had a, quite a significant pullback already. It's kind of come in earlier than what we're all expecting. Uh, and there's uh, still a lot of uncertainties, a lot of challenges uh, that are facing the market and that are facing the global economy um, early next year. Uh, so we, we're just kind of warning and trying to say that this is not going to be a linear downward move. Uh, and uh, the risk is that, you know, it will be a weaker outcome for the dollar by the end of next year. But it, how we get there is still an there's still an element of uncertainty. Uh, in particular, we are uh, more puzzled by the outlook for early next year or more uh, cautious about how bearish we should be on the dollar uh, early, early next year. In terms of one last point, in terms of the overall risk to the view, and by that, I mean, what's the risk that actually the, the, our view is wrong and that the dollar actually end up 2023 higher than where it starts? Uh, I think, you know, there's a combination of risk and different weights to, to all those risks. But, you know, we, we've touched on that. And, you know, the thing you have to bear in mind is the China story, the China reopening story. Even if there's disappointment there in, in the first half, I don't think it's a game changer. Uh, for the dollar overall next year, it's just more of a you know short term uh, a short term uh, revival in the dollar. There's a point that we haven't really touched on, but it's the earnings story. Uh, you know, there's a market is talking a lot about potential earning disappointment in the first quarter. Uh, let's see how that pans out. But I, I would also say that you know again that's been covered and talked about a lot. So uh, I, I don't know how much of a risk off move will go on, on the back of that. Then there's geopolitics. Uh, as I said earlier on, I feel the market is learning to live with the war premium. But what about uh, if the situation on the um, on the Russia-Ukraine front deteriorated further, uh, and we got concern uh, of a larger larger scale conflict? That would obviously be significantly uh, risk off and and bullish for the dollar. Uh, but unlikely scenario in our opinion. And then we have a hard prolonged recession uh, in the US economy, which I think is not priced in the market at the moment. Uh, that could that would be also something we'd have to uh, reconsider for its implication on, on the US. And, and arguably another point, um, a Fed that ends up being a lot more hawkish than expected. So if if the market is currently thinking five, five and a quarter, what about if it ends up being six, six and a half percent um, for rate peak? Again, unlikely scenario. Uh, but the, all those all those factors, all those risks together uh, would obviously um, take us to having to rethink about the outlook for the dollar. Um, and and we, we'll bear them in mind. We'll keep an eye on those. Um, so this concludes our latest uh, FX podcast and question. Uh, please reach out to Stephen uh, or to myself. Um, just a quick reminder. So you can find our FX research on the Bloomberg terminal. So it's BI Cur page. Uh, I, I hope you found the podcast interesting today.
until next time, goodbye. And we wish you all all the best for the new year. Thank you. Thank you.